Mindfulness Mode 395. Money is infinite. You can always go out and make more money, but you can never get back your time. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Last time, Mindful Tribe, I mentioned I've been receiving emails about your fathers. Well, I've asked you to send in emails about your fathers and the mindfulness may be connected to you and your father because, well, my father passed away recently and he loved waltzes. He loved music. He loved watching the Lawrence Welk show on TV. And back a number of years ago, he loved dancing so much. Well, Holly... Hello, Holly from Alberta, Canada, sent me a terrific letter all about how she discovered mindfulness about a year ago, and it's helped her to be more mindful in her relationship with her father. I want to share a bit about what she wrote. She said, my father and I, we have the same sense of humor. We're both very passionate and we'll stick up for what we believe. And she went on and said, it's actually helped me listening to mindfulness mode to be more mindful in the moments that I spend with my father. She said, I have a very soft spot for him and I love him dearly. And that's just a few excerpts I took out of her letter. But thank you, Holly, for sending that in. And I've sent Holly a mindfulness mode t-shirt just to thank her for sending that in. Uh, Oh, I mentioned last time that, yes, I do have an opening for coaching. So send uh, send me an email if you think that this might be right for you. If you would like your life to have less stress, more of a sense of peace and contentment. Maybe you're experiencing a lot of anxiety at work or maybe in your home life. And I can help you with that. I can help you to implement strategies, actual ways, actual tools that you can become more, more relaxed in your life, more content, more, you know, that feeling that you've, you've just doing fine, that everything's going okay. And believe me, that's a great feeling to have. So send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and we'll jump on a call and I'll talk with you for 20 minutes, half an hour or so, and we'll talk about how I can help you. I also want to mention I've been invited to speak at PodFest Expo, which is coming up March 7th in Orlando, Florida. This is a fantastic event. I've spoken there before. And if you have any interest in podcasts at all, you really need to be there because, oh man, there are wonderful people that gather. It's a place where you can learn all about podcasting and share what you know about podcasting, share about your your passion. It's in Orlando, as I mentioned. Go to podfestexpo.com and you can sign up there. And if you do go, make sure you come and say hi to me because I want to get together with you and have a coffee. And I know last time we had a meal together with different listeners of Mindfulness Mode who attended. So I hope to see you there. So moving on to today's episode, we're talking about mindfulness and money. My guest completely turned his life around and now still at a very young age, he's retired from his corporate job. He's helping thousands of people 
look at money more mindfully and to build a new relationship with money. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Grant Sabatier. Hey, it's time to talk about money today. And we have the money man right here, the millennial money man. We have Grant Sabatier with us today. Hey, Grant, are you in mindfulness mode? Totally. I'm ready to go. (laughs) You sound mindful. Man, you really do. So I can't wait to talk to you about money and mindfulness and how it can be a breeze for us to handle money, make money, spend money. That's usually a breeze. But uh, Grant, I'm going to share a little bit about you with our audience first. Grant Sabatier is the creator of Millennial Money. And check it out, millennialmoney.com. And he's author of the book Financial Free. Freedom. In 2010, now get this, Grant was 24, he had a philosophy degree, but he only had $2.26 in his bank account. And he was still living in his parents' house, sleeping in the bed he slept on when he was seven years old, and he didn't feel real good about that. And in a fleeting moment, he made this decision, this life-changing decision that he was going to become a millionaire. And five years later, he had a net worth of over $1.25 million. And the American News Network, CNBC, started calling him the millennial millionaire. I mean, what a cool story. Grant's creative, often counterintuitive thoughts on money have been featured in over 400 publications, and he regularly writes, speaks, and gives interviews on the topic. So I can't wait to talk to you about mindfulness and money, but what does mindfulness even mean to you, Grant? Uh, Mindfulness is simply being present to um, all that is. It's a level of awareness. Um, It's that space that exists between the internal and the external worlds. You know, so much of the world, the immensity of it that's happening out there, we have a choice with how we engage with it. And mindfulness to me is being truly awake and seeing and realizing that there's a lot going on out there and to um, sort of understand that we have so much more control over our reality than we often think we do. And that, you know, peace is already within all of us and we have the ability. It doesn't mean life's not hard. doesn't mean there's not a struggle, but you truly can um, choose how you see the world and might take some time. It's not easy by any means, but like anything, I think mindfulness is a muscle. Well, let's let's figure out how we use mindfulness to apply to our money and our money management and making money. How do we be mindful about money, Grant? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing is to start with the right question. And we live in a world uh, where the question is always, how much money do you need? When that should be the second question. The first question should be, what kind of life do you want to live? And then how much money do you need to live that life? And we spend all of our time and we're told, we're taught from a young age to seek that job promotion, to seek that raise, um, that million dollars, that promotion, to sort of seek that thing out there, that external uh, Mm -hmm. number. Um, When in reality, it's much more difficult to stop and actually ask yourself, what kind of life do I want to live? You know, what's the perfect day to me? And we often, you know, figure out 
how much money we need and then try and Americans we tend and, and even Canadians tend to spend more money than they make and so they try to fit their life into how much money they're making as opposed to totally. if you actually ask yourself what makes you happiest it tends to be things that are either free or inexpensive you know picking your kids up at school walking your dog in the park um, you know hanging out with your partner having a glass of wine hanging out with your friends and we tend to spend so much of our time trying to make money to then get those things when in reality we could have those more of those things today. So how do you set your life up and use money uh, to do that? Because to me, money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. And there are so many ways to break down, you know, in my, in my new book, financial freedom, I, I break apart the idea that money is infinite. You can always go out and make more money, but you can never get back your time. This moment is really all there is. And so how can you use money to have more of those amazing moments and make more money in less time so that you can use it to, to live a life that you love? And mindfulness really comes down to, um, you know, in each moment, recognizing that the moment is precious. And so how can you make the most of it? And there's a number of steps that we can talk through about how to cultivate that level of mindfulness with money. Okay. Well, what's the first step? What's the first step I should do if I'm frustrated about money? I'm not sure how to move forward and I want to be mindful. What do I do? Uh, you have to look at it with clear eyes. And what I mean by that is, you know, money is a human invention. It's something that hasn't existed forever. We made it up. And uh, we as a society, as individuals, we embed it with so much power and with so much meaning. And the way that you think about money has to do with how you grew up and, you know, where you're living in the world and what society tells you about money. But in reality, you can actually choose what money means to you. And so recognizing first and foremost that just because you're stressed about money or someone told you something about money, you actually have a lot more power over it than you think you do. And so coming to it with fresh eyes, being like money's a human invention, I'm going to figure out why I feel the way I feel about money. And that's okay. often the first step. Right. It sounds like I need to, like if it were me, for instance, I need to let go of my negative beliefs about money. Does that make sense? Let go of your negative beliefs, but in some cases, those negative beliefs might be good things. It's just going back to the origin of why do you feel that way about them? Because oftentimes it's like, you know, I didn't want to let my parents down. And so I chasing this job and this promotion, you know, money is so intimately tied into so many areas of our life that getting to the root cause of, you know, why am I going after that bonus and staying, you know, at work until 10 PM and working all the time, you know, what am I running from? You know, where, where, what's right. that origin? Is it my parents expected a certain thing? Is that, you know, they didn't give me enough love? Is it that, you know, I'm trying to prove something to myself? Is it the fact that I know one day I'm going to die and I want to leave my mark on the world? And so tracing money back to that type of origin, not just, you know, here's why it stresses me out. Well, well, tell me this. How did you turn yourself around and make that money in five years? What did you do? Did you go out and get a job or did you become an entrepreneur? How did you manage it? Yeah, so um, I graduated with a philosophy degree. I bounced around a number of, you know, I always did what I was supposed to do. I went to good schools, got good grades, bounced around a number of different jobs, four different jobs after college. And it was at 24 that I had to move back in with my parents because I was completely broke. And they said that I could crash there for three months, but that they 
weren't going to give me a single dime. And so there's a number of emotions. Um, I woke up one morning and realized I didn't have enough money to buy a Chipotle burrito. Um, I was, you know, I'd sent out 200 resumes and hadn't gotten a single email back. And um, I'd go down to dinner, you know, my, my parents would come home from work and, you know, I went down to dinner, sit at the dinner table and, you know, my parents wouldn't say anything. They wouldn't ask me how it was going, but I could see in their eyes sort of how worried and disappointed they were. And I felt just immense sort of shame and fear and mm. loneliness and isolation. And I also, you know, on the flip side, saw my parents who were in their late fifties at the time, st- you know, stressed about money, still thinking about money. All their friends were talking about wanting to retire. There was this like retirement was always in in my life viewed as kind of the holy grail, you know, something you were going to work for the rest of your life in order to get. And I was so down, so dejected, you know, I was like, is there just, is there a different way that I can do this? And so I read uh, the book, Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin with the central premise of, you know, what are you willing to trade money for? You know, what are you willing to trade your life energy for? And I'd done the calculation and I traded up to that point, 4,700 hours of my life for $85,000 after taxes. And not only did I have no money left, I was almost $20,000 in debt. So I hadn't done money right. And then, you know, I set the seemingly unrealistic goal to make a million dollars and save a million dollars and retire as quickly as possible. And I had nothing to lose. And so, um, you know, I needed a new skill set. I wasn't getting hired. And I was doing a simple Google search. And I saw an ad on my phone, a Google mobile ad. And I'd never seen one before. This is 2010. And so I researched what are Google mobile ads. And I learned that there was demand for people to run those campaigns. And more importantly, that you could get certified by Google for free. All you had to do was take the Google ads uh, certification exam and that you could learn it all by watching videos uh, on their website. So I didn't have anything else to learn. This was an, an in-demand skill set. So 30 days, I taught myself uh, you know, enough about it to get certified by Google. The first job that I applied to, after 200 jobs of not getting a call back, I got the job at a digital marketing agency in Chicago making $50,000 from that free certification that I could ah, cool. So that that's kind of when my, my story started. $50,000, by the end of that year, I was making $300,000 because I was no longer just working for the agency. I'd started my own digital marketing agency, oh. um, building websites for law firms and realtors and running um, Google ad campaigns for them. And the entire time, because I'd made all the mistakes before, I was saving 82% of my income. And so I was driving the crappiest car you could imagine, living living in such a crappy apartment that my wife then girlfriend wouldn't even come over to it. But I was I was resolute in my focus that um, I was going to use money to to buy my freedom. But I just want to cut in here. Was it that fifty thousand dollar first job that gave you the confidence to move forward with the rest of what came after? Um, I don't, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't say it was the confidence. The confidence actually came. So I got the job, you know, was, what was clearly, I'm going to save more money than, than, than before. Cause I wasn't saving before the confidence came when I, when, um, three months into the job, I answered an ad on Craigslist. There was a lawyer looking for a website and mm-hmm. he had a $500 budget. And so I built him, I learned how to build a WordPress website and then I built it for him for $500. And it was the first $500 I'd ever made on my own. 
outside of a wow. full-time job. And that is what gave me the confidence. Whoa, oh, I can see. do this. And then three months later, I sold a $50,000 website using the same template to a law firm in Chicago. And I realized with that $50,000, I made more money in four days than I was going to make the entire year at my full-time job. You wow. would think that I could just would just abandon my full-time job, but I, I actually optimized my full-time job so I could, you know, I still had a lot to learn. And so that first year at the digital agency, I spent a lot of time with, you know, the sales guys, the SEO guys, uh, the CEO learning as much as I could, because this was the first time I'd ever worked in an agency, knowing that mm -hmm. I'd one day want to launch my own. And then a year later I did. Um, if I had just jumped ship, I wouldn't have learned all that I could from that opportunity. And then I launched two different companies um, with the explicit goal of becoming financially independent. So some people launch companies, right. you know, to make tens of millions of dollars. And I had a number in my mind and everything that I was doing in my life was geared towards getting to that number. And then, and how did mindfulness play a role through all this? Yeah. So mindfulness, uh, a, f a few different things. The first off I had to, um, I looked out and saw, um, you know, at literally all of my friends, all of my family living a certain way and everything inertia was pulling me in that direction. But I had to make the explicit choice to live life on my own terms. And, you know, that's pretty scary because um, I didn't necessarily know what that meant. I just knew that I didn't want to do what everyone else was going was, was doing. And so the mindfulness mm -hmm. came with really focusing on instead of what, you know, success means to the world, what does success mean for you? And the way that I actually cultivated that, I now call it my morning uh, money meditation. I didn't call it it that back then, but I still mm -hmm. do this to this day. Every morning, um, I have my coffee. Uh, you know, before I even meditate, before I do anything else, I open uh, my 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 personal finance tracking app, and, and I look at my net worth. I you know, spend basically five to 10 minutes with my money, look at how well things are performing, make sure if I was supposed to get paid that I did get paid, you know, just spend some time with money, getting comfortable with it, being comfortable with it. And it was that level of mindfulness, just five minutes a day that completely transformed my relationship with money because it was no longer some stressful abstract thing that I was afraid to look at every month. I was comfortable with it. You know, I was, I was spending five minutes, 10 minutes a day with it. It was like, it became a familiar friend. And so it was that level of mindfulness. Then through the rest of the day, I'd spend less money because I'd already thought about money for that day. And I was excited about my number going up. So Grant, did you have to use mindfulness in order to write your book? Because a lot of people say to me, you know, I want to write a book, but I just can't get it happening. Did that require mindfulness? Yeah. So, I mean, in, in that case, I, you know, l let me build, build up to that in the sense that it took me five years and three months to become financially independent. Um, once I became financially independent, it took me kind of a year and a half before I was able to untangle all these companies, you know, the companies and clients that I built. Um, through that process was an incredible process of awakening. Um, the five years that I took to get there, I was, you know, 80, 90 hours a week working, very, very focused on money. I made a lot of trade-offs and sacrifices I probably wouldn't make now. But I launched millennialmoney.com shortly after becoming financially independent. And 
the first three re- the first few reader emails that I got of you helped me save two thousand dollars. You helped, you know, literally I just got one, you know, right before we got on, you know, you saved my life. I saved thirteen thousand dollars. I escaped living paycheck to paycheck. You know, I you know, and those emails filled me with a level of joy that was beyond anything I'd ever felt in my life better than, you know, that $50,000 project better than the first million dollar project I sold. And to be honest, like, um, it, it was such a new feeling. Like I, I, you know, I grew up and we live in a world where it's like, find your why, find your purpose, find your passion. What makes you happy? I think a lot of those questions, um, put a lot of stress on people. I didn't know my why. I didn't know my purpose. Um, I think a lot of people don't know, and that's okay. I had to get myself the time and space and write and create, and my purpose showed up. I, I didn't choose this mission. This mission chose me. And it was the level of joy, and it was through that joy and kind of leaning into it. And when you, ha- when you are able to kind of find your purpose and mission, it becomes a filter into everything in your life. It makes decision-making easier. It makes trade-offs easier. I work harder now than I ever have in my entire life, but it's very different work. I'm not working money. I make money, but that's not the goal. The goal is how can I you know, have the biggest impact? And I can tell you, the more that I've leaned into that mission, the more opportunities that have opened up to me. And the book became one of those. Um, I obviously write a lot about money. I care a lot about money. I've always wanted to write a book, but you know, it, it, this, the synchronicity around how it happened from being on NPR to the agents, to the publisher, you know, my editors, the editor for the Dalai Lama and Brene Brown and being able to work with, you know, such an amazing team at Penguin Random House. Those are things that are beyond my wildest dreams. And those have, those came as I kind of opened up to the world and the actual writing of the book. Um, this is the thing about writing a book. I had to like learn how to build the plane while I was flying it. And the first manuscript I sent to penguin, my editor wrote back and she said, I don't know if you can do this. You know, here's one of the most famous editors out there. I don't know if you can do this. And I didn't know if I could do it. And, you know, I thought really hard. This is, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to share this message, to share my story uh, all around the world. And, you know, can I actually do it? And one of the things that I realized is what am I going to be most proud of um, in, you know, when I'm 80 and um, it, it was, it was that no matter what, no matter how well this does, I want to look back and, and remember that I left it all on the floor. So how did your parents react when you turned yourself around and made all this money? Sheer shock. I mean, just pure like deer in headlights. Um, what? I mean, everyone in my life, um, even my wife, uh, you know, during half of this, she was finishing her PhD and by, you know, it was, I, I wasn't very vocal about what I was doing. I mean, you know, people knew I was making money. They knew I had companies. They knew I was relatively successful by external standards. But, you know, I didn't buy a nice car. I didn't, you know, I ended up buying a nice apartment halfway through the journey. But it was a surprise to everyone when I made it happen. So do you still live in an apartment or do you live in some like a sprawling mansion? Oh, no. So I live in New York City now. So I just moved to New York City six months ago for the book launch. And I'm working on a television show. Um, oh, cool. And I'm at, yeah, I, I can't name the person, but I, 
oddly enough, I'm living in a very famous composer's uh, old music studio. That was really funny that I figured that out later. But no, I um, I, I ended up buying a really beautiful loft uh, in Chicago, um, just sold that. And now I'm renting for the first time in seven years. And I actually really love it. I mean, New York's a very expensive mm-hmm. city, but um, sure. So yeah, I'm in a very, very different position, but everyone in my life was kind of like, whoa. And so do you feel like you've made a whole new circle of friends that you spend your time with now that you're in a different financial place? No, I mean, I still, I still have my friends. Um, to me, really the purpose of life, uh, at least now is to be fully alive. And, um, the definition of what that means is constantly evolving. And so I'm very open to the world. I'm very, very inspired by passionate people. It's one of the reasons I moved to New York, um, no matter what they're doing, whether it's a painter or hairstylist or a writer or filmmaker, or even a business person. I love people who are, are truly living um, and all that means, even if they're a little crazy. And New York's a great place for that. There's a lot of really yeah. passionate people. And so to that extent, um, I have more friends now who uh, are truly alive. They might not right. call themselves like awake or mindful or any of these traditional, these definitions, but I can tell that they are. Well, I can tell that you are truly passionate. I mean, it just comes across 100%. What were you like as a kid? Were you a passionate kid? What did you love to do? Yeah, I was actually a really sort of creative kid. Um, uh-huh. As weird as it may seem, I'm actually a natural introvert. Um, I'm someone who um, I don't know if I'm on the spectrum, but I've been told that I'm on the spectrum, uh, meaning like I'm just I'm a really intense person. That's been uh-huh. kind of a blessing and a curse. Um hard for me to have a lot of close friendships. Um, I don't value social relationships in the same way that most people do, but I'm immensely mm-hmm. curious. And so my life, I mean, it's, it's not, doesn't surprise the people that have known me growing up that, you know, I did what I did, but you know, I have a hard time remembering to make the bed or fold my clothes or, you know, like I struggle with certain elements of self-care. It's like you only have so many moments and hours in the day. You know, I'm probably who anyone listening to this, you're probably better than me at like 99% of the things in the world. Like money just happens to be one of those things that I get and I understand. Um, So it's like, like, you know, people are like, oh, you know, like, yeah, most of my life is like a train wreck. Money just happens to be one of those things. Not most of my life. But but the things that you care about happen for you. Is that right? Like you make sure they, they happen. I Kind of. I mean, yeah, I, I uh, am, uh, you know, it's one of those things like um, once I get focused on something, I, I just, I want to. Uh, I'm just immensely driven. And so in this case, the book right. took me 2,800 hours to write. I wrote it in nine months. It's about 77 hours per week of nonstop. You know, it's not like I woke up every day and I'm like, I'm going to write from nine to noon. I, I can't do that. Like I'm either all in or nothing. Um, I have a very, very hard time doing anything in life that I'm not actually really passionate about. So so would you say if my listeners get the book Financial Freedom, that will change their financial life? Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. obviously, I will if go they out on the apply. Limb. The I will concepts. go out on the limb and say this is the best book about money that you will ever read. 
So what's different about this book compared to all the other books out there? And, you know, there's like all the work that Ramsey does and all the different people. What's different about your philosophy that makes it interesting, unique, and and uh, something that you can really move with? Yeah, so there's a few things. Um, you know, I'm not going to hate on Dave Ramsey. He's changed No, not lives. at all. I don't mean that. Yeah, so many lives. Um, most books are fluff. Most books are one central idea and then 250 pages of filler. Um, this book is not that book. Uh, my intention was to literally going in was to make it the highest ROI money book ever. And so it's nonstop um, the, the things that actually move the needle. And not only the things that actually move the needle, it's in a step-by-step -step process that no matter where you are in your own financial life, it's designed to help you get to the next level as quickly as possible. Um, it's meant to be reread once a year as you grow and as you change. That's something that's very different. Um, you know, it's also something, it's my life. I mean, it's something that I lived. Um, I became financially independent at 30. There's nine other stories of others who did it before 35, um, very different ways. Um, you know, the whole book is designed to help you live life on your own terms as quickly as possible. Um, the other thing is it's equal mixes there's four focuses. It's equal mix, mix, uh, sort of mindfulness, personal finance, entrepreneurship, and investing. It's like those four ideas all in one. There's never been a book like this because the publishing industry doesn't want you to write a book like this. The publishing mm -hmm. in industry wants you to write an investing book or an entrepreneurship book or a personal finance book or a mindfulness book because it's easy to categorize. They know where to put it on the shelf. Right. And my publisher mm -hmm. over and over, we can't, you can't do that. You can't, you got to write just this. You got to write just this. And I pushed very, very hard because for me, it's all of it together. Um, you know, you'd have to read hundreds and hundreds of books to learn even half of this stuff. The other thing is 90% of it wasn't even possible 15 years ago. We live in a time it's mm -hmm. never been easier in history to make more money. Um, and so that's embedded in the book. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of the forefront of making money. And can we get some of these thoughts and ideas by going to millennialmoney.com? Do you have some of this there? Oh, totally. So there's about 350 posts that I've written on millennialmoney.com. All of my favorite and what I think my best posts are just right on the homepage. Just go to the bottom of the homepage and you can see all of the, if you spend like two hours reading those posts, you're going to get a good rounded out picture of this. There's also a lot of them like, you know, my investing strategy is one 7,000 word posts with an hour long video. You can check out my YouTube channel. But to be honest, someone was just asking me this today. They're like, oh, huge fan of your blog. Do I need your book? And to be honest, uh, the book is so much better. And in fact, mm. I don't even know if I'm going to blog anymore about money because I've said almost everything I want to say about money in the book. Don't tell the blog that I said that, but um, there's not, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's no, like, it's not just a regurgitation of blog posts. It's a hundred percent new content. Um, wow. You know, for me, I, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a coach. I don't sell, you know, high ticket items or events. Like for me, I really just wanted to, to give all this to the world. And so it's the highest ROI for your time is probably to buy the book and spend the three or four hours reading it. The audiobook is like 10. So that's a little bit more of a commitment, 10 hours, but right. um, that's right. honestly the best. Uh, it's, it's my best work. And did you record the audiobook yourself? I did. I did. Oh, cool. 
because you've got a great voice for it. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, have you ever been bullied or were you ever a bully? I always ask a question about this and how it relates to mindfulness. You know, a situation or a story that you might have where mindfulness would have made a difference. What can you share with us? Both. I mean, I was bullied and I was a bully um, and, you know, was the brunt of like experienced the emotions of both sides. Um, so, I mean, this was all middle school, typical type boy stuff. Um, I didn't like how I felt in either situation. Um, one of the things about me as an adult is, um, and people always comment on this is, um, I, 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 I never get angry. I, um, I never have really. I, uh, oddly anger. I get angry like twice a year and it'll be like random things I have. And, and that's something, um, you know, I often really feel for people, even when they're upset at me or mean to me or, um, you know, jerks, I have, I have a, a deep empathy for people. Um, one of the things that I've uh, interestingly gotten good at is I've gotten older. So I only hear 50%. Um, my hearing's getting bad. I'm getting hearing aids next month. Um, you know, my, my, my eyes are getting worse as I'm, I, I noticed for the first time at like 33 that I made this shift of aging where like my, my mortality, my humanness became very present to me. And as I'm losing my hearing, my intuition is actually growing. And so I'm very, like, now I meet people and I can sense if they're sad, like, like not like sad in that moment, but like if they're struggling in some way in their life and the mm -hmm. same on the flip side, when I meet someone, I can tell if they're truly joyful, um, which is, is really kind of a new thing for me. Um, just an aside there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. So tell me a situation where you did bully something, someone and, and how that worked out. What happened? Yeah. So, uh, there was a neighbor, there was a guy that lived on the street behind me and I known him growing up and, um, he was one of three siblings and, you know, he was just one of these people who, now in hindsight, you know, I realized was quite lonely and quite sad. Um, and he always just reeked of body odor, you know, just like intense. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a mixture of um, just his, 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 you know, his parental situation. Um, I don't think his parents were very present. Now looking back, um, not, not a knock on him. It was the environment he grew up in. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I would make comments around, you know, his body odor and, you know, just was a jerk. Um, not This wasn't a very long period of time, but it was all facilitated by some friends that I was hanging out with. And um, I remember that he got upset about it. He told his mom, his mom called my mom. And in the traditional, like, you know, my mom being like, you know, do you want this to be your character and all those sorts of things? You know, I, I felt really bad about it. I remember going over and apologizing earnestly. Um, mm. But then that was, I was actually a bully in that sense before I was bullied myself. And then two years later in eighth grade, there was a kid who would just always, always, uh, always bully me um, really, really intensely. Wow. Well, as we move toward the end of the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions, Grant, if that's okay. The first one is this, who's one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, hands down. Oh, yeah. Uh, huge fan. Um, 
not just of him, uh, but his language. I'm a firm, huge believer in the power of language and just think of all the writers I've read, his book, The Art of Living, um, is hands down one of his, it's going to be his last book, you know, because he had a stroke, but it, in, it's, it's one of those beautiful things I've read in my life. Wow. Wow. Great. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Grant? Um, my, so one of the things, uh, mindfulness, as I mentioned at the beginning to me is a muscle and it's something that was very confusing for me at first. It took a lot of time. Um, but now, uh, mindfulness, I mean, it's completely changed my life because, I don't have to cultivate it as much. The garden is already there. And so when I used to have to be very present and, you know, kind of re-engage with the present moment, I feel like engaging with being in the present moment and truly seeing now is more of my default. Instead of it being like 5% of my day where I have to be very intentional about it, I've entered probably just in the last six months that shift where now more than 50% of my day, I'm truly awake. Um, and, and that's been a mixture of having the time and space with which to cultivate that. How is, how is breathing part of your mindfulness, Grant? Yeah, that's interesting. So I think breathing, you know, this is something when I was really stressed and I was working all the time, I had to kind of, you know, come into meditation and focus on my breath. Once I got, you know, in like 20 minutes a day, once I got out of the corporate world and was truly financially independent that I could wake up and do anything that I wanted with my day, my, my breath naturally settled. So now I actually don't have to, unless I'm really stressed out, I don't have to come home to my breath. My breath is my default home. Um, my blood pressure dropped. I feel like, um, the length of my breath, you know, there's all that, that says it's kind of like the length of your breath is the length of your life. You know, and I really right. feel like the length of my breath is much more naturally, is much longer simply because, you know, it took me like nine months to detox from leaving the corporate world. Um, mm. And how long ago was that? Uh, that was now a little over a year ago. And so oh. it, it took me, man, like I didn't realize how just intensely wired up I was. And this is the thing. Um, I think like meditation retreats are good. Retreats are great, but it's very, very hard to truly decompress in a long weekend or a week or even a month. It took me eight months. It took me eight months to where I finally realized that I was at peace. Um, wow. And tough to get in our in our everyday world. Even even For sure. stronger of a case to you know make sure that it, at least you have enough money that you have the ability to you know, even take six months off if you can. Grant, if you could recommend a book on mindfulness, would it be The Art of Living or a different book? Um, I think it would be, I think it's called The End of Awakening or uh, The End of Your World by Adyashanti. Oh, okay. Huge Adyashanti That's a great fan book. and Spontaneous Awakening. I, I, I really love his work. Those are... And I'll put that in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. So you can... All check that out, mindfulnessmode.com, and, and see what's up there. Uh, yeah, so is there an app you would recommend which could help with mindfulness, or maybe it's a money app that helps you be mindful with money? Yeah, there's two. The first one is the Oak Meditation app by Kevin mm -hmm. Rose. It's by far my favorite uh, mindfulness app. Um, I love everything about it. Uh, from a money perspective, check out Mint. Um, I believe it's also available in Canada. 
Um, okay. And it's a net worth tracker. It's very simple. It's very beautiful, very clean. Um, and then another app you should check out, I'm working with the team at Peak Money. Um, if you're listening to this in, in the United States, Peak Money is, is a mindfulness and money app. It's, it's specifically designed for that. Cool. Okay. And I'll put all that in our show notes. Well, it's certainly been great talking with you. And I know that your website is millennialmoney.com and your book is Financial Freedom. Is there anything else we should know about how to connect with you, maybe on social media or whatever? Yeah, definitely check out, uh, if you want to hear more about the book, financialfreedombook.com. Um, okay. Yeah, at Millennial Money on Twitter. And I just started writing. Um, now I've written so much about money and I wrote the money book. I've started writing about mindfulness and uh, from, from a non-money perspective and awakening at grantsabatier.com. So if you're interested in my non-money writing, my second book, which I've actually started writing and working on, is not a money book. Uh, and I'm very, very excited about it. But got to get your money life in order first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Well, check out grantsabatier.com. Grant, we all know how to spell that, G-R-A-N-T. But Sabatier is S A B. A-T-I-E-R. And it's grantsavatier.com. Grant, I'm so glad you could jump on a call with me today. It's great to talk with you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really support your mission uh, in helping others cultivate mindfulness in their life. And um, just really appreciated the chat and being on the show and giving this opportunity. Thank you so much, Grant. You have a great rest of your day. Bye now. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, awaken with focus a 12-minute meditation just for you, recorded by me. You can be alert, focused after waking. That's what it's all about. Feel invigorated, fresh, and dynamic. Let your vibrancy feed those around you. Download this meditation to help you get going in the morning at mindfulnessmode.com slash awakenwithfocus. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.